0: everyone my name is jean gallagher and welcome welcome to show number four discover rising tides how the outside makes the inside better where we explore the importance of the outdoors and maintaining life balance and through this series where we'll be talking to women business owners to understand their journey and today i'm excited to in- introduce pamela jay hi pamela
1: Hi, I'm so glad to be here.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And Pamela is the founder of She Leads from the Heart Initiative. She's a feminine leadership mentor, award-winning author, and a voice confidence coach for women who know they are born to lead. So I'm so excited to have you here today.
1: It is such a, such a pleasure. Anyone who loves nature as much as you do is a friend of mine immediately.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. We met. We actually met through a um, a joint contact that uh, that introduced us both. So I'm really grateful for that. And I and I'd like to really start out with um, give us a little bit of a background of your. I want to cover a few things today. I want to cover your story because it's really really so impactful and. And I'll touch on a little bit. When we talked last Friday, there was just a moment that I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I'm talking to you this this week. So give us some
1: background, and I'm going to interject a few things as we go. Okay, great. Uh, background about my business or background about how? A little I- bit about, well, actually both.
0: So if you'd like to start on a little bit about you yourself and how you are. Um, Um, have come to where what your journey was and where how you received where
1: you are today okay great well thank you for this opportunity it's just always wonderful to to uh, share I I actually my connection with the natural world started when I was very 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 young and I'm sure that um most children at least of my generation and and yours i guess mm-hmm. for, <laughs> are, yes um, our <laughs> yes, are, are can probably say that and and i just uh think that is a connection that has carried me throughout my life so i have for uh in all my work experiences have Uh, been reconnecting people and nature in some way, encouraging them to get outside, to remember to play, to imagine, um, to just have that love of of the natural world. And I was uh, a farmer for many years, I'm an Indiana girl, and I farmed for over 20 years. So I have 1200 acre farm, and uh, two little boys. And, you know, we just grew all of our own food and food for many other people as well. So it was that connection in that. And at 38, though, I became ill, I was uh, stricken with Crohn's disease. And I was to have a portion of my intestines removed. And I was really struggling with how I was going to give my husband that news when I wandered off to um, an abandoned grain silo on our farm and was actually having a great a big cry because it's like this, this is going to change everything and how is this how is this possible? And I had been in so much pain and medications were seeming to make me even um, sicker really. Mm. So whatever inspired me in that moment to begin to sing in a grain silo that was abandoned and open to the sky, Um, turned out to be just a magical, magical thing because the sound of my own singing voice coming off of that stone silo felt like warm butter just washing over me Mm -hmm. and I just had this inner knowing that my illness was a messenger and it was here to help me to realize that I needed to slow down and um, really take a good look at who I was and why was I trying to be all things to all people and all of those kinds of things we look at when we're in that situation. And so I um, went off my medications um, secretly. I don't always recommend doing that for everyone, but I certainly, it worked for me. And I began immersing myself in nature. I returned to it like I had as a child, where I would um, sit along the riverbanks and watch the river and mimic the morning doves <laughs> and just really deepen that connection with the trees. And I began to just um, do things intuitively, like I would bury myself in the sand on the sandbar. It felt good to my achy body. And of course, now that's called earthing. And I, mm-hmm. course, when I was wandering in the, in the woods, I was forest bathing. But I knew nothing about any of this uh, other than I just loved the natural world. And uh, 12 weeks later, they could find no sign of my illness.
0: That's really interesting.
1: And you had mentioned
0: when we talked on Friday about repression, right? So
1: mm-hmm. can you
0: tell me a little bit about that and in how that also plays a part?
1: Yes. Um, I came to see that um, I believe the reason that I got ill was that I had stuffed some of my natural gifts. I um, I had to quit college and give up a music career when my mother got ill as a teenager. And I went home and... Um, And then um, things happened in our family and I ended up um, taking a leadership role in the family. Mm. And so I put my music away for 20 years. I did not sing for 20 years. So naturally singing in the grain silo would have unlocked a lot of that grief and sadness and sorrow that I had sifted away for so many years. And I believe that repression of that, um, Uh, And then, of course, the expression of it (laughs) became Mm -hmm. and the healing and my body knew what to do right in uh, and return to its own natural state. When I I would
0: think to the vibe, what about the vibration?
1: (laughs) Oh, yes, it's all about that. And again, I didn't know anything about vibrational healing. And gosh, now I've been studying this now for 30 years. It's like, how's that possible? And and um, how how can something like that? Occur, and then you find quotes from Edgar Casey, and he says, "You know, music and sound are the medicine of the future." And you go, "Oh, <laughs> okay, yes." So, yes, the vibration of that, right? It helps to stimulate um, our hearts and um, our cells in our body and mm-hmm. reawaken them to their natural state. Makes sense, mm-hmm. right? It does. It does. And
0: but it's nothing that you would have self-diagnosed
1: no not at mm-hmm. all not so at all
0: how long a process was it for you through the beginning of being diagnosed to you said there was a how many week period when you went back to the doctor that you it was, or, 12, there was no sign 12, yeah,
1: 12 weeks 12 weeks from the silo experience and I had been ill for quite some time and lost an incredible amount of weight and I was having a uh, daily um uh uh cramping and lots of Mm -hmm. really a lot of pain and that sort of thing but i was also having severe migraines and i believe those were caused by the medication and they had changed and tried some different ones but nature was my medicine Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: and the singing was a way that activated that and then my intuition that i was wise enough to uh, follow just led me to these beautiful practices that, (laughs) that are either ancient or we're just discovering now right isn't exactly. And, and so
0: after you, you became Crohn's free, for lack of a better term, yeah. um, what, what was the pre- progression for you? And how did that change what you were doing on the, did it change what you were doing on the farm? Or how did it change your daily
1: life? It, it did. And thank you. That's a beautiful, beautiful question. Of course, I had slowed down. But I, I uh, really, um, well, uh, I had some big, big changes in that I had healed naturally. So suddenly I was no longer able to support um an agribusiness that was doing crop dusting and spraying all the fields with chemicals and all these sorts of things. I became ultra sensitive to those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But I also decided I wanted to take a positive approach and not just become an angry activist about it all because that wasn't good energy in my belly either. Mm -hmm. So I decided to open a natural arts learning center on another farm across the river. And I began doing organic farming and begin, began to bring uh, children uh, from the neighboring schools for um, nature appreciation, hiking, and poetry writing. And I founded that organization. It was a nonprofit. And I did that for 12 years and did over 30 different creative programs around the arts and helping people of all ages actually reconnect with their natural gifts and learn the um, the beauty and the importance of being connected to the natural world.
0: Wow, wow! So that started on a smaller scale and it grew. Or what so was different. was there a vision that you had, or was it really just something that naturally developed?
1: Well. It actually came in a vision in poetry, I would write, after my my healing. Uh, in the middle of the night, I don't even think I told you that piece. but No, I, I don't think we talked about it. My creativity absolutely just blossomed. If you can imagine you know, all those years of repressing, and then suddenly it's just like, whoa, all this expression comes out. Mm-hmm. So I began, began to be a poet, and I became uh, a singer-songwriter in that time, and I'd never written music in my life. Uh, went on to be um, a national award-winning children's singer songwriter that was not in my plan oh my (laughs) word no and and so the learning center was a vision literally given to me in somewhat of a dream and i I was told that it would be grown very organically with a philosophy that i was to call rimby r-i-m-b-y right in my backyard Uh was was really fun because um, back in that day there was a saying called NIMBY. NIMBY. Everyone, yes, not about, in my
0: backyard. <laughs> build,
1: not In my backyard, and I said, "Oh no, we're going to take a positive approach." And so it was all about servant leadership, community mm-hmm. service, and and instead of um, <laughs> build it, they will come, which was very popular back then because Field of Dreams, the movie, had just come out not long after that. And so we spun that around and says, Oh, no, (laughs) they will come and build it. And so the community came and built it. And we um, were a bit ahead of our time. It was when repurposing really wasn't a thing yet. And Mm -hmm. so that was the rule. It was everything had to be donated or found. Um, And uh, we did some really fun and funky creative things with that old rusty farm implements that were back in a junk pile. We welded and made into a beautiful, beautiful fence that was interactive so people could learn about farm history. Uh, There was just so much, so much fun and joy in all of it. And I realized that we were impacting not just children, but the grownups that came. Mm. And they were having these moments of what I call rememberings, where Mm -hmm. they remember a time in their life when they weren't rushing about so much like I had been before Mm -hmm. I was there. And that is what inspired me then to do the next phase of my business after I closed my learning center.
0: That's amazing. So before we get to that part, one of the things that I'm I'm noticing is interesting because honestly, you were in an outdoor, you were in a farming business that was technically outdoors, right? And so, but it wasn't in a healthy manner. So even though you were experiencing the outside and you were, that was part of your daily life, it really wasn't what was going to bring the positiveness to you.
1: Yes. And and I have so much respect. I was a soil and water conservation supervisor, too, before I got ill. And on the plant a tree committee, I was doing all of these things around the environment. And you have to remember, this was back, I first got ill in 1992. So our farm had come through um, the 80s when uh, the farm almost foreclosed as many mm. farms did back then. And Roundup was like the, the savior. It was like the chemical that was introduced. It was going to increase our yields and everyone was so excited. And so I have this enormous, enormous empathy for those who farm and only about 2% of our population in our country do. But I also, I love the ones who are finding creative ways to bring back the life in the soil and farm more organically. I was very conflicted though, as you can imagine. And of course, Mm -hmm. my husband and I ended up parting ways, still friends, but Mm -hmm. very, very different ways of looking at this. This was his family's sixth generation farm. Wow, wow which it's would have history. started organically <laughs> right exactly
0: <laughs> the pre-roundup farm
1: yes right <laughs> yeah yeah
0: interesting
1: yeah interesting
0: and and so as we're talking through if anyone is listening and would more than like more than like to call in and ask a question the phone number's uh 323-580-5755 and so as you transitioned from your learning center what did that look like for you
1: Well, uh, it was on part of the family farm. And when um, my husband and I divorced, I actually stayed five years after that. and lived in another home, obviously. But um, they were gracious enough to say, oh, continue on, right? (laughs) By then we'd become very popular and had gotten a lot of regional attention initially we were a little too far out there and the whole community wasn't sure what that was about but anyway in time it it was wildly successful but I just felt like I was done and what was really pulling me was how can I help women like myself Mm -hmm. who were living this life and not feeling like it was their own who had another calling perhaps that they had sort of shoved away. How is it that I could help those solopreneurs and entrepreneurs that wanted to really kind of ride the cutting edge and look at new ways of doing things. I had been through a lovely process over those 12 years and learned how to do that very organically and miracles happen. I mean, things you just cannot make up, right? We did not have a typical business plan. So I had a real um, heart for that, but without the land, I wasn't sure how that was going to happen Mm -hmm. because I thought I have to bring people to nature. And so um, I worked for other places for a while. I did other things. Nothing filled me like my learning center had uh, or or the experience I had just been through. And so um, I put everything away and decided to go a different way after um, I lost my home in in a, a flood. Wow. <laughs> and it was either that and I, I was working as a music therapy researcher at the time, and I lost my, uh, my uh, job there suddenly when they did an unexpected downsize. So within a couple months, those uh, there I was 58 years old, and basically homeless and unemployed, if you know, I mean, I would have had a place I could have right. done something, but I had a choice. It was, a, it was mm-hmm. a choice. And I says, mm, let's see. Oh, a whole new career and another mortgage, or a life adventure. <laughs>
0: it, you were being sent a strong message that there were to be a change. You could, oh, couldn't have a more more strong
1: message than that. No, that's true. And and and, and working as a researcher, I had been in a sit down job behind a computer. Um, And not outside at all. I could Mm -hmm. not get to the woods fast enough after I got let go. And I went, "Woo! I'm free. And all I wanted to do was immerse myself in as much natural beauty as I could find. Mm -hmm. I sold what things I had left and packed up my Jeep Wrangler and went to the Asheville, North Carolina area to get to the Blue Ridge Mountains where Mm -hmm. I knew no one. And I just wanted to see what was going to happen next. That's so brave. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you know what? People ask, they say, that was brave. And it was a choiceless choice, Jean. Oh, what a great way to put that a choiceless choice. I couldn't not do it. You right. know, I didn't I didn't have that moment between uh, college and getting married and having babies where you know, you have a gap year. I didn't have any of that. I've never done that. So my curiosity was, Really out there. And I'm a firm believer things are always happening for us, not to us. So I went, mm-hmm. How is this happening for me? I lost my home and my job, and I'm not gonna sit here and moan about that. There's a reason. Okay, let's see what this is about.
0: A that, choice.
1: Yeah, all I wanted to do was just get into as much natural beauty as I could find. And that area of the country is it's gorgeous. As diverse as you can get because the glaciers pushed all the seeds. For all these plants right into one area and that's why it's so diverse
0: and it's gorgeous it is it absolutely is. beautiful so so you found yourself in ash in the Asheville area
1: i did and I so what did you do in the Pisgah national forest mm. uh, and i found a retreat center and i asked if i could uh, um Help in some way, and and they said, "Well, sure, you can be our singing gardener." <laughs> well, you can be our gardener, and of course, then I sang, and and then I was the singing gardener, and then I was the barefoot singing gardener. But I had so fun; it was lovely, and I worked around the mountain at a uh, organic uh, bed and breakfast, and I just garden. I sang and garden, <laughs> right? Sang and wow. garden. Wow. But people came to this retreat center from all over the world. It had been there many years and it was built. Uh, it was rimby. It was so rimby, you know, everything was natural and just these funky beautiful buildings and people mm-hmm. would come there to slow down. And I went, Oh, I could teach women's retreats here. And so the owner said, absolutely you may. And I developed um, some programs and began teaching them there. And I started, um, research project where I was interviewing them and finding out about their relationship with the natural world and their business and their calling and what they had pushed away and what you we. Know, I was exploring that. And I went, Holy mackerel. I'm not the only one. Wow. A lot of people feel this way. Mm-hmm. And of course I was taking them out into the natural world and we were building, uh, building forts. We were playing like children in nature and some magical things were happening in that. And then I decided to um, stay longer. So I built and lived in my own tree house. I became a carpenter's apprentice. And I learned how to sling power tools while in a tree. <laughs> and uh, bathed in the mountain streams and journaled. And I, just, I, I would crawl down on my hands and knees. I couldn't get close enough to, the, to Mother Earth and drink water. Can you imagine drinking spring water? It hasn't seen the light of day in so, so long as it first comes out of the ground, right by the fiddlehead ferns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: So, That's so so tell us what your tree house was like. I know that people are going to want to know that part.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, it wasn't what you see on TV, like the master builders build. It was very <laughs> rustic. I learned to fall trees in the forest and mm-hmm. you, you bring them down the mountain in the snow because they slide down mm-hmm. better, right? <laughs> And um everything was out of guess what? Found natural or repurposed materials. So mm-hmm. there was no drywall, there was no, 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 none of that. Uh blue jeans for insulation, old windows from a tree from a schoolhouse were were windows with you know some of their old rolled glass in them. Oh wow. My, um, my dining room table was a flat granite rock sitting on a tree stump and the light. I did have electricity. I brought that in from um, a neighbor's uh, little farm down the down the mountain away. So mm-hmm. I had a light over my. Uh, my dining room table and it was a rusty Weber grill lid. <laughs> <laughs> I rubbed it with linseed oil and it looked like leather and it hung by. Oh, how fantastic. This is so, so much fun. So all of those kinds of things. And I was absolutely in heaven. My creativity had just burst forth again. Mm-hmm. And the builder I was working with was having fun too, because he had been, been building million dollar mansions in Georgia. And he was what a all- difference. So it was just this time of deep immersion and creativity and laughter and fun and play and continuing to um, study mother nature herself and understand and learn more what my illness had taught me about non-resistance. You know, I didn't fight my illness. I loved it to death. (laughs) You know,
0: I heard I was, and I can't remember, it was probably a podcast that I was listening to just this past week and they were talking about people embracing the the challenges that are happening versus holding on to and and, and clutching the problem but embracing it and letting it be and that mindset makes such a difference in the healing process.
1: It, it really does, and I've studied this a lot. And those who, um, I worked for a time um, for hospice and I was helping um, patients pass with greater ease. And really, mm-hmm. I, you know, I would sing and of course they would, they would relax you know, into that and they would surrender into that. And that was what was helping them fight their fear of dying. And it was so beautiful and so rewarding. But I do remember the day I sat down and I said, no, wait a minute. If I can help people die with greater ease, I surely could help them live with greater ease. Wow. So profound. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love to do. And you're absolutely right. The more we try, the more we effort, the -hmm. more we get caught in that, which we all do at times, Mm -hmm. the more we're trying to force and control things. And um, the more we can um, allow and watch and be curious, curiosity was a big part of what I did with children. And that's one of the first things I think that we lose, not Mm -hmm. only the connection to nature, but our curiosity. And this is why play in the natural world (laughs) is just, is so like curiosity Well, what happens if you do this? And we become such serious adults. Yes, absolutely. So absolutely. So yes, my work between hospice patients and, and, and all my work with children and the illness that I did, and the treehouse adventure, all of those I can see now is just helping me to get really clear on how I'm to serve and help others with what I've learned. And so here I am, and I've returned now. Uh, from my treehouse adventure my parents are in their 90s I wanted to be near them in their final years my mother in particular is not well and this meant moving back to the midwest and I went oh dear <laughs> I don't know uh, you know how's that going to work and and to disconnect from are you kidding me the Blue Ridge Mountains <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I did was I decided okay this joy this beauty I can carry that with me so my treehouse lives in my heart and so do those mountains. And here I am near Louisville, Kentucky, living in a 1910 carriage house. Oh, how wonderful. And because my parents live in different states. They divorced when I was young. Mom's in Ohio, dad's in Kentucky. I needed to be able to work from anywhere in the world. Mm. And I said, I'm going to go online and teach myself how I can reconnect people and nature through this little camera lens. <laughs>
0: Was that before or after
1: COVID? Uh, it started before COVID. Wow. I was, I, yeah. I was COVID. You were you were ahead of the curve. I was, and all of the coaches that were out there training us how to do this were saying, You go back to your community and you gather people together and you network and you network. And I'm going, oh, You don't understand. I can't, I don't know what day of the week I'm going to be in Ohio and when in Kentucky. So I'm going to do it right here. And I began inviting people to my living room, actually, mm-hmm. to my tree. I called it my tree house, right? Come to my tree house. I went in and we would do interactive exercises and get them journaling and get them out into the natural world. And I really, Realized, oh, I was helping them reconnect with their inner nature.
0: That's beautiful.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: That's really beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And because I'm a boy, I do the voice thing because, well, the voice is how I opened back up to mine. And so many women feel blocked in their voices, particularly when they're doing their businesses. They, they need to speak. And of course, now more than ever, right? We're all mm-hmm. connected. And uh, pivoting as the as they say in the biz to yeah. zoom, right? And so opening up and feeling comfortable in expressing ourselves on camera, mm-hmm. on stage, getting visible, all those things that are like eek, very, very scary. Mm-hmm. But the voice is, I call it the doorway to the soul. Mm-hmm. And those who work with me not only get more confident in their speaking and can write with better ease. I help many writers open up their um their uh, abilities to write, Um, they're attracting their clients Mm -hmm. with ease, because they're sharing from their hearts.
0: Wow. Yeah. And I think too, in this, in this Zoom land that we're in, it's not just as when you're out networking with people, you're, you're talking to them and sometimes at them, but you're not observing yourself. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that Zoom has brought To us is that not only am I talking to you, I'm looking at myself talking to you. So we have to get used to observing ourselves and be comfortable with how we might not have realized we appear to others.
1: That's really brilliant, and what what a beautiful yes thing. Yes, the self awareness of that and being able to witness one in the process. Mm -hmm. I say and I call it being able to see yourself in the movie of your life. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: And literally now, because we're absolutely
1: (laughs) right. Yes. Well, it's happening for us, right? So we can end these sorts of things. That's really brilliant. I appreciate that. You can see that and articulate that so clearly.
0: And thank you. And it has to be hard too for us. I know it's hard for me to slow down with social media and so many electronics. It's really difficult to remember that we're supposed to be present more.
1: Yes. And you know, I think the slowing down, you can still be pretty active. I I call it being and doing right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) be More in touch with the essence of who we are, we can slow down and then suddenly there's nothing to prove, right? Mm -hmm. No need to hustle, drive and strive. We have actually watched that play out in our world enough to know that it's not really working. People are burning out. And um what else? And so you know, COVID's been this beautiful gift for us to, to slow down not only our doing, but our minds and our whole need to be on mm. and performing our lives and proving something. And um it's really, you know, everyone's talking about authenticity now. I'm going, like, authenticity to me means being aligned with our inner nature. Mm. It's not so much that you're telling the truth and being all vulnerable and telling everyone, everything you're thinking, that is a piece of it, you know, mm-hmm. because we're not hiding any longer, but I believe it truly means, and why we're so hungry for authenticity is it's like, what's the natural me, what's wow. me without all these masks. And this was what happened when I went off to North Carolina, I'd lived in the same town um, for 50 years. And I'd had, you know more than one last name and all these different images and I was mom and and and, you know singer songwriter and you know leader and all these things right I got to strip away all of those masks all of these images and show up where no one knew me Mm. it was very freeing
0: and you could meet you
1: I could meet me. And so I always say that natural beauty that I was so hungry to immerse myself in was me. Wow. I found her. And I actually had a memory from when I was just eight years old singing in my little tree house in my backyard with my golden songbook, <laughs> singing at the top of my lungs. And I just fell into the tree. And this is where I think I remember... I remember that. I remember just feeling so at peace. So when I got ready for my treehouse adventure, I went, what happened to that little girl? I think she was a lot wiser than I. What did she know that I have forgotten? I literally went off to find her. So I help women that I work with um, remember and reconnect with that part of themselves that they have at one time or another probably known Wow. So, how do
0: you? So, is there a commonality between the women that you help, or are people coming from many different walks of life?
1: Uh, I have decided to help those who are solopreneurs or entrepreneurs because that's where I have the most experience and have um, played this process out in multiple ways. So, um, it could be anyone, but I find that those women, because they're pretty daring souls, Mm. have other things in common that make them really cut out for being pioneers.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: And it's things they may have denied, things that they think they have to overcome, like, you know, the fact that they can observe themselves in the movie of their life because they're more introverted by nature. And the world and society is saying, you have to get strong and build up your confidence. And then you get out there and they're going, oh, that sounds horrible. And they think they're afraid. And I show them that they're wise because they're tapping into a whole new way of doing things. It's a different paradigm.
0: Hmm.
1: And yeah, and it becomes more intuitive than correct. It's very intuitive and they're doubting their intuition, right? Mm -hmm. Many of them have also had um, experiences like I just um, described and they've forgotten that part. So Mm. um, when I meet with them on zoom, I use clarity, my guitar, and I um, build a, an energetic silo of sound creating a space around us and I invite them to come into that with me and we just explore and they, they they have rememberings of times in their own life when they felt really deeply connected to the natural world and to this more relaxed part of themselves and realize that <laughs> that never really went away it just got covered up and hidden like it had for me in my in my illness interesting
0: interesting and so do you do this one-on-one or are you meeting with them in groups
1: I uh, will be doing groups because I'm getting ready to um, release a book that I'm writing called she leads from the heart and it Ooh, will we be. have to talk about that <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I have enjoyed most the, um, the one-on-ones, partly because I'm continuing my research, but partly because we can go into these very intimate places yeah. and they can tap in and have these rememberings. And when they do, it is absolutely magical. Something melts away and they're recognizing, oh my gosh, I have this way I can operate from this way. The, the energies in their body reverse like they did in mine when I when I healed my illness, And they're allowing versus trying and efforting and pushing and and things start to happen magically. Their income suddenly goes up double and sometimes triple or they maybe realign their business and find, oh, I'm better served to uh, this niche uh, and serve these people. They are more apt and more willing to tell their own personal story, which is what people want to know. But they are past the part of feeling like, oh, I can't stand the attention on me. They're shifting from I have to sell and make uh, sales to keep my business going to, oh, my gosh, all I do is share what I'm passionate about. And I am speaking from what I call magnetic presence Mm -hmm. instead of a magnetic personality.
0: Oh,
1: And there's research now, there's so much research out now that backs up everything that I learned through my illness and what I've intuitively been teaching. Mm -hmm. When I work with my clients, we start with the voice and they actually do recordings that we send back and forth to one another and they hear their voices begin to drop into the resonant chamber of their heart. I call it the heart voice. And wow. it it come becomes more full. It's less strained. It's it less up in their head, and they're not trying to force everything. So mm-hmm. they relax into that. So I don't teach typical voice lessons. I help people remember their naturalness and their inner oh,
0: interesting.
1: Wow. and it changes everything. They start to attract more money and better relationships because. Mm-hmm. The heart, they have found, I believe it's the Heart Math Institute that's done such stellar work around the heart. The heart um, electromagnetically is at least 5,000 times more powerful than our brilliant, brilliant brains. Wow. So when we speak from our heart and are aligned with our inner nature, people Ener- feel it, literally feel it. Energetically. Energetically. Mm-hmm. Know this you've seen people where they walk into a room and everyone's like drawn to them that's because they sense their authenticity they're the real deal and they are coming from a place of love and feeling that deep deep connection
0: So fascinating. And so, you know, one of the something that you said earlier, and, and I, and I'm always amazed that there's terms around it, when grounding and forest bathing, and all those things that that were, I'm, I'm just a small town girl for me, right, and that's all we did. (laughs) That's Right. (laughs) right, That, that is, that is everything. So, um, you know, that what you're able to not only through voice and through song, but you're also able to help Mm -hmm. people understand the importance of getting your feet dirty and getting your hands dirty and, and just having that, the playful, relaxing time.
1: Absolutely. Just that, that earthiness, right? To release,
0: that, to release it, the inner tension.
1: Absolutely. It releases the inner tension without thinking about now, what exercise do I need to do? It's just like, just go play. Right. And, and it couldn't that, be the furthest away from Peloton at all. Right. <laughs> right, right, Yeah. Oh, I know. After I closed my learning center and right after that, Richard Louv came up with nature deficit disorder and wrote the book, you know, and founded the big organization. And I went, oh, I guess I was ahead of my time, you know, (laughs) and all of these things. It's lovely. You know, it's, it's ways that we're getting people out there. And it's more important than ever because, you know, we have a lot more um, things going on in that world and people are feeling less safe than ever. So developing that relationship, some of my clients who haven't been outside in a long time, I have them start with a terrarium sitting on their desk, right? Just to have some kind of contact to realize that these little plants in here are alive.
0: What a great idea,
1: right? Just a connect and connect in the simplest of ways.
0: And I think, too, you're, you they you must be, I'm assuming, or people are learning trigger points of recognizing their internal feeling. I know that when we talked last Friday, last Friday was a tough week for me because I came off of being outside. We were away. We were up in Zion for a week, and then I went back to work. And so, of course, I had to work a lot, right? And so by the time when I w- we were talking on Friday, I was emotionally and physically Exhausted because I realized I honestly did not get outside all week long, not for anything. And I was not in control of my calendar because I didn't take control of my calendar to ensure that that happened. And by the end of the week, I was depleted, totally depleted. And I recognize that when I talk to you, I'm like, oh, wow, (laughs) I should be talking with you right now. So it's just so important for people to realize their setting boundaries themselves for how they need to respect their own needs
1: absolutely and you know there's so much talk and i love it because there's talk about self-care you know back Mm Back in the day uh, that I had my learning center, people weren't even talking about that yet. I developed a program called Nurture the Nurturers to help um, get uh, nurses, doctors, all the caregivers outside. And they're like, we don't have time for that. No, we can't. <laughs> and so I laugh. But self-care, we talk about it. And yet we tend to think about is something we need to make time for so that we can balance everything. Mm -hmm. And my way of looking at it is if it's a part of your natural routine and you trust, you really trust that if you have that time, that downtime and that relaxation and that playtime, that's a part of the work. Mm -hmm. It's all a part. It's all one big dance. You learn how to sustain your energy Mm -hmm. at all times rather than extreme like you experienced, right? Mm-hmm. Extremes of, oh, we can Zion and now, whoa, right? So it's it's regulated a bit more. And I mean, this is the key to all sustainability when you look at nature. Regulate,
0: yeah, being regulated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it makes us more effective when we are supposed to be on task.
1: Absolutely. This is where excellence lies because you come Mm -hmm. so in tune with your body. When you really tune into your inner nature and tune into your body, it tells you it never lies. Mm -hmm. It never lies and it will trigger and help you recognize when you're falling into those old patterns of, oh, if I just get three more appointments in, you know, you can recognize when you're starting to push everything Mm -hmm. and effort it. Versus, oh, it has a natural ebb and flow, and I'll be more productive if I do that tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful. You begin to honor that, and everything seeks its own balance and mm. soundness in that. Interesting. That's yeah. how my body healed, right? Wow. It knew that's what mm-hmm. when I got out of the way of it, and you know that's what I believe. It's like you know, the earth doesn't need healing it's like we allow it to do what it does naturally we need to stay out of the way of it Mm -hmm. and love it love it love it right and if you're coming from that place you can do no harm to it wow amazing so tell us about your book oh yeah i'm working on it um and it is the first of, I think, many. I am enjoying the process of writing. Um, First of all, putting words on a page and painting pictures with words is easier than building a physical space on a 90-acre farm (laughs) and writing grants and all of that sort of thing. It would be experiential. It will be a book that will be a companion to my first group program that I'll be doing with women. But my hope is, Jean, that it will be a book that others will pick up, others that I may never meet in my life Mm. that um, have these remembrances. I tell stories and I love little vignettes. And so my memoir is sort of like a spine throughout the book. And I use my own life and living as an example, but I call in memories of others and share stories that my clients have experienced to help invoke that feeling and enrich that communication um, and those
0: different stories are going to touch different people
1: in different ways Mm -hmm. so i say read it through the first time and then after that just pick it up anywhere because certain things will resonate with you and and then there are what i call magnetic presence activations um which are little um opportunities that i give you to go out and do something or journal about something or wonder about something Mm. and they can look at first like unrelated it's like how's that going to help me be a better entrepreneur but it's all interconnected as we know and so it helps you be that observer that noticer of Mm. life and that one who can really appreciate that you are here now and that this body knows what to do and nature knows what to do and something greater is at play it's impossible to do this work and not come out of it feeling like there's a greater plan and even what we've just come through is somehow somehow helping us remember to slow down to Mm. respect all life one another all of those things
0: wow That's amazing. Thank you. And so and I really appreciate your time here today. And it's been such a pleasure to talk with you. And, And I thank you for sharing your story and your insight and your energy.
1: Uh, thank you it's a joy mm-hmm. to be with you jean and um i have an email if anyone wants to email Please, me yes i'm happy to leave that uh, my my website is being reworked right now but you can still see what i have there at pamela j.com that's a pamela and jay.com and my uh, email is pamela at she uh, dares to lead.com
0: beautiful and so uh, when's the book when do you expect the book out or is there a date yet or is it too soon to project?
1: Um, Hopefully before the end of the year. And I'm hoping actually for fall at some point, so getting closer. Perfect. And And if
0: people want to connect with you to work with you, do they reach out, just email you or reach out to your
1: website? Uh, either way, you could do that, and I offer uh, complimentary 20-minute sessions where I can um, come together with you on Zoom and do an energetic reading, a sound reading, because I can sense where there's resistance in your own body, where you may have little signals as to where you might be ready to unlock and discover more of your naturalness. And I record those little sessions, so they're kind of fun, and oh, wow. I'm happy to offer those to anyone who's listening today on your beautiful podcast.
0: Well, thank you. Thanks again. And we'll make sure we put all of your contact information in the the show notes. And is there anything that you would like to leave us with today? Mm. Any thought? I didn't warn you about this. So do you have any any thought or anything that you'd like to leave us
1: with? I think, you know, um, it's just that whole start to wonder what else is possible? You know, the way things have been working, but what if What if there's a whole different way that things are happening, you know, what is happening? Get curious, Mm -hmm. go out and ask that to a tree. Listen, yeah.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, what a joy. Thank you so much. Remember, yes. Remember.